0: I'm um, really glad that you guys are here. Um, thank you, Caroline, for sharing your story. Give it up one more time for Caroline. Okay. Um, we are really grateful to hear your story. Thanks for the courage to share. Part of the reason why we do that um, is because um, whether you are a person of faith or not, this notion that God is real and is, a, is working in people's lives seems like very can seem very ambiguous or ethereal, or like purely spiritual, and um, in fact, God is always present and at work in our lives, and being able to hear people um, process that and come to understand that for themselves helps each of us, Um, so we're really glad you're here, a special welcome to you if this is your first time, or one of your first times here, we're really grateful that you're here, and really a huge welcome to you if you're like, this is a really weird event, and I don't know why I'm here, everyone, it gets semi-dark. And we sing words at a screen. Um, I remember the first time I went to something like this and I was like, why is everyone singing happily about someone's blood getting splashed on them? That doesn't seem good at all. Um, So if that's you, we're really grateful that you're here. Um, This semester, we are looking together at this book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is this book of ancient wisdom That's really centers around exploring the question of um, what if there is no God? What if there's no spiritual realm? What if this life is all that there is? And the things that we um, can see, touch, taste, smell is all that there is. If that's the case, um, is it possible for people to find deep satisfaction? Um, Is it possible that there could be something that lasts? And the writer of Ecclesiastes sort of explores all these different components of life looking for meaning. And again and again, what he finds is that um, things of this life are like a vapor. He uses this word again, vanity or meaningless. And the word that he's trying to get across is that things are like, you know, cigarette smoke. You know, someone uh, exhales cigarette smoke and trying to catch it, it always, well, maybe you're trying to avoid it generally. Um, or you used to be a smoker, just theoretically. And when someone is smoking, you're just trying to breathe it in. Um, that's maybe that's just me. Um <laughs> But uh, it's, it's, the, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes is kind of like those Snickers commercials, you know, where he's like really grumpy and someone's like, you should, you should get a Snickers, uh, it, will, it will fix you. And then, but he's like, no, this Snickers sucks and it doesn't, doesn't do anything. So tonight um, we're looking at a couple of the passages from Ecclesiastes about um, knowing stuff. Can figuring life out, understanding how the world works, gaining knowledge, can that be the key to the good life? And um, I, I thought about Ecclesiastes. My wife sends me Instagram reels all the time, like more than a dozen per day. And I don't have Instagram. And so I don't ever see them. So invariably, we are laying in bed and she goes to her scent reels and we watch through them together, and um, it's really sweet. They're all like about like like a, a violent matriarchal takeover of society, by the way um, and that is oh, yeah, thank you. I feel the same way and uh, so in that vein, she showed me this tick that well. If you're old, do you, do you watch TikTok on Instagram? Is that what it means to be old? Okay, thank you, man. Okay, um, that's good. I'm just trying to make sure I know where I'm at, that's all. And she showed me this, um, this video of a guy and he's sitting in his car and he was like, I just don't, un-, he, he's really seeking knowledge. He's trying to understand the world. And he's like, I just don't understand how this dating thing is supposed, uh, supposed to work. Like I take girls out on nice dates I buy girls flowers and then this other woman gets stitches in and she's like, I put money in girl machine, why no girlfriend? I buy girls flowers, why no girlfriend? And I thought it was hilarious and um, for many, many reasons, but I'm thinking about my man in this car. He's like really wanting wisdom. He wants to figure out and he gets wisdom in response. But I don't think he finds that wisdom probably to be very satisfying, even though it's a deeper and truer wisdom. And it makes me ask the question, did he actually really want to know the answer to this question? And uh, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes is sort of like that. So he writes this in uh, this. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but this is coming from Ecclesiastes chapter one and two. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament after the Psalms. We have Bibles over there if you would like to take one home with you. And uh, this, is what he, this is what he writes. He says, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. That's the part that I thought, thought about with that TikTok guy. I was like, you really wanted to know, and now you're sad because you're complicit. Okay. Um, all right, so then chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly. Just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Um, this is uh, God's word, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll look at it together. Um, Lord Jesus, you um, have made each of us, and I thank you for this gathering um, of your beloved ones. Um, Many who know you and are curious about you, many who are unsure of where they are, um, all of us, full of many questions, and all of us with a deep longing to be satisfied, um, to live a good and beautiful life, to be truly human, uh, to be happy. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet um, us now as we consider the wisdom of this ancient Uh, wise person, um, that we would uh, find you to be the source of knowledge and the source of wisdom. So speak to each of us in a way that we can understand. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So we are in an educational institution, and so each of us are pursuing knowledge, pursuing wisdom, just like this writer was doing. And When he starts talking about knowledge, he acknowledges that um, knowing things can only take us so far. So I just want to walk through a little bit of what he says about knowledge. That's alert. The the next part's going to be spicy. It's not. It's not going to be spicy at all. Okay. Um, uh, He says first that being wise or having knowledge is certainly a lot better than being foolish. In, in verse 13, he says, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. It's better to walk around a room with the lights on than to walk around in the dark. It's better to be wise, to know how to go to uh, navigate this world. Um, John Wayne kind of says the same thing uh, when he says life is tough, but it's tougher if you're stupid. Um <laughs> And that is a very succinct uh, summary of Ecclesiastes' argument about wisdom. Life is tough, but it's tougher if you're stupid. It's good to be wise, just like it's better to walk in light than in darkness. But there is a downside to knowledge. He says in verse 18, um, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. We know this as we get older, right? Like I have, I have kids, they're 8, 10, and 12. And the, the difference between being 8 and being 12 means you know a lot more stuff about the world. And that's full of wonder, but it's also full of deep sadness. There are things that we talk about with our 12-year-old that we don't talk about with our 8-year-old because she understands much more how the world works. Um, to paraphrase Chris Rock, uh, he said, Ignorance is bliss, but awareness is hell. Um, the more that we know, often the more that we grieve. Like my man on the TikTok, the more that he learns, the more he probably grieved. You can't just put money in the girl machine, my friend. All right. Um, I'm going to get off that TikTok thing now because <laughs> nobody seems to care. Good. Um <laughs> Another limitation that he goes on to say later in, in the book of Ecclesiastes is that you can keep asking questions, deep, meaningful questions, but we can never really be sure about the answers to those questions. Uh, some, of, some of us are philosophy majors, and we like to, let's go, JP, I see that. Um, this, is, this is a sophomore philosophy major. I didn't see any senior philosophy majors stand up in the and in shout. Um, with much wisdom comes much sorrow, Jack. Um, and, and later on in chapter 8, he says, No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun despite all their efforts to search it out. No one can discover its meaning, even if the wise claim they know they cannot really comprehend it. Um, Philosophers are some of the most brilliant and earnest people on the earth. And the deeper that they dive into questions, what they find is more questions. Um, Philosophy is like a pie eating contest where the first prize is more pie right to eat. They're still asking the same questions even after thousands of years. Why are we here? What are human beings for? How do we know what we know and to keep asking? Um, when I think about the, the, the cultivation of wisdom and knowledge, uh, it reminds me of a song by Bright Eyes. Um, don't listen to Bright Eyes unless you want to be depressed. I'm just putting that out there for you on the front end. But uh, there's a Bright Eyes song. He says, now I've read some books and I've grown quite brave. If I could just speak up, I think I would say that there is no truth There is only you and what you make the truth, which uh, I resonate with that. It's also hilarious because it's a truth statement about how there is no truth. But he seems really sure in that moment. If I could speak up, I would say there is no truth. There's only you and what you make the truth. But by the end of that song, he's saying, can you please start explaining? I need some understanding. I want to understand. Um, The more questions that we ask and the more sure we are that we know, Often, the more we realize that we don't. Uh, in verse 16, um, he gets to his point, which is simply at the end of the day, no matter how wise you are, how foolish you are, in the end, it's all a wash because we all have to die. Uh, it's certainly better to live wisely, but at the end, we all meet the same fate. Uh, in the end, knowledge is a vapor. It eludes us. Um, I was actually talking with Brad Burroughs earlier. He's an extremely wise person. He's part of the um, Center for Character and Leadership. And um, we were talking about this, about, about wisdom and Ecclesiastes. And he said, you know, wisdom is beautiful, but it can never protect us from death. Um, part of the way that we move through the world as we develop technology and we develop deeper learning and understanding of the world is at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out if we learn enough and we build enough and we develop enough pharmaceuticals, we develop enough technology, maybe we won't have to die. Um, but knowledge can't protect us from death, no matter how much we want it to. Even in, in, in the end, what the most learned people discover is what Socrates was famous for discovering, that the only true knowledge consists in knowing that we know nothing. Um, Sorry, this is a little bit depressing. It'll get better. Um, I just like, I've preached Ecclesiastes before and I'm like, man, this always starts with such a bummer. Anyway. Um, T.S. Eliot wrote a poem called The Rock. And uh, he said, where is the wisdom that is lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge that is lost in information? Um, I don't know about you. I often feel... Like, I know so much information. Like, when I was in college, we knew a lot less stuff than you all know now. We had access to a lot less information than you do. But it seems that the more information we get, the farther we get away from, from wisdom. And um, with that, with the, the teacher of Ecclesiastes putting it that way, I want to look together with you at what God offers to us. The wisdom is good, but it can only take us so far. In the end, it eludes us. But what God offers um, is a path to true knowledge and true wisdom. In uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with the leading religious intellectuals of his day. And uh, he's actually like... um, raining down verbal fire on like these religious leaders. And then these other like religious intellectuals are like, Hey, you offend us when you tell us that. And so he kind of turns his attention to them and he rains verbal fire on them as well. Nothing, no great fire, like a Jesus fire. Um, But he says to them, woe to you for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering Jesus looks at the most brilliant intellectual minds of his culture in his day, and he says, You see the door to knowledge, and you have the key to open it, but you throw the key away, and you keep people from entering it, and you don't enter yourself. And he's speaking about himself. He's saying that he is the key of knowledge. They missed Jesus. And so they missed wisdom. Um, Saint Augustine, who, um, if you're a philosophy major, if you study philosophy, he's been dead a long time, and you will still read his work because he's been more, he's one of the most brilliant philosophical minds of all time. He was a North African bishop. Um, he was famous for uh, a line, "Crede ut intelligas," which means "Believe that you may understand." Now you're at RUF right now, and the religious professional in the room is telling you that you should believe so that you can understand the world. And you may be thinking, you're saying that religion or faith should come before knowledge. Um, Shouldn't it work the other way, right? Shouldn't it work that we learn things and then we develop a religious idea of the world isn't it a really narrow view to say that people should start at the spiritual level and work out? Um, well, yes and no. Yes, um, because there is a blind adherence to religious teaching that is really destructive and harmful. Um, the church has been wrong many, many times. Um, If you think about it, it's funny. The Roman church was wrong about the earth being flat or round. That's a big one to miss Um, and to be wrong on that. They actually persecuted people that were saying, hey, I think that we're actually round and going around the sun. And they were like heretics. Um, So the church has been wrong about the earth being flat. Uh, The white church in America was wrong and in many ways stays wrong about white supremacy. Um, So there is a blind adherence to religion that is harmful. But there's also a pathway that I think God offers to us to true knowledge that begins like Augustine did, that we believe that we might understand. And here's why. You are not fundamentally a thinking thing. At the core of what it means to be a human being is not to be something that thinks, but something that loves. Something that moves through the world based on desire and not thoughts. We don't primarily interact with the world and with each other intellectually, but with our gut and with our heart. How many times have you ever thought yourself out of love with someone? Or ever thought yourself into love with someone. But you know that it is your love or lack thereof that will actually motivate your decisions with that person. How many times have you known that you should not do something? You ne- <laughs> this is like every Thursday night, probably, of your, you know, your entire existence of Waste Forest. I know that this is a bad idea. And I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Same. Our cognitive faculties always fall behind our loves. If we love something and know that it's not good for us, we will likely always still do it. So when Augustine says and Jesus says that knowing and loving God comes before true knowledge. They're really telling us what we already know about ourselves. Like Jesus is, is dealing with us as we are and as we know ourselves to be as primarily loving things that love first and think second. The Bible's not asking us to do something contrary to our nature, but to function as we already know that we function. Because the church wasn't wrong about Copernicus and Galileo and Sojourner Truth and Jim Crow and Dr. King because the facts were, were ambiguous. The church wasn't wrong because... There was a failure to understand intellectually. The church was wrong because they love something more than Jesus, namely power. And so, therefore, they could not be wise. They could not gain understanding. Um, Last year, I was borrowing. I'm a connoisseur of borrowing vehicles from people um, because the notion of purchasing a vehicle offends me. And... um, And that is a place that I need to grow. And you can pray for me in that. But I was borrowing this truck from a friend. And um, one day the truck wouldn't start. And I have some experience working on cars. Some. And uh, so I went through my diagnostics. And what I really wanted was to know that I could solve the problem with this truck. That this person was letting me borrow their truck. I wanted to take care of it. I wanted to fix it. And I came to the conclusion that it was not the alternator, but the starter that needed to be replaced. And it was raining It was really hard to get the starter off. I had to jack it up. I had to take the wheel off, all this stuff. Um, I took the starter off the car. I went. Now, there were several things I could have done before this step. I could have, for instance, checked the charge of the battery to see if that were the problem. But I was pretty sure, because I knew stuff, that that wasn't the issue. And I had reasons. And what's even more embarrassing is that I talked to many people that knew a lot of stuff about cars. And instead of asking them if they thought that this was right, I told them why I was making the right decision. So I took the starter, it was like $180 for a new starter, and I'm like, that sucks. But it's so much better than taking it to the shop, where people know how to do stuff. And I get the starter, I get back, I put it on, I cut my hands all up, I spend the whole day, and guess what? Didn't start. Because my friends, it was the battery. The battery was dead. I very easily could have tested the battery, I very easily, even after I had the starter off, could have taken it and had the starter tested to see whether that was the problem. I refused to be wise because I loved what I already knew more than I loved learning. Um, I did something good. I put a new starter on this person's truck. When I took the other one off, I was like, it looks like this starter's already been replaced. Um, that should have been a sign. I did something good and right and beautiful. At the end of the day, it was still the battery. The facts were not ambiguous, but my loves were not aligned. And I say all that to say we all come to facts, like you guys are in class, and whenever there's something controversial in class, you understand that in the main, people disagree about it. And the, thing that, the reason why they disagree about it is because They come preloaded to those facts with all kinds of loves and story behind it. And uh, we have understandings understandings about how the world works and how it should work and what the good life looks like when we come to understanding the world. And I, I know this is a lot, but if Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and I'm not saying that you have to believe that, but if it's true that he did make this world and sustains it, and if the, the art of history turns on him, then he must be the fundamental desire of every human heart in order for us to understand the world correctly. And it's worth figuring out if it's true. It's worth doing the work to explore if that's true, if we actually want to understand ourselves and understand the world Basically, what the scripture says in all of its different ways is that if the chief desire and aim of our lives isn't on the God who made us, then our thinking will be off because our thinking will be about us. We will be disoriented. We must love correctly if we want to have any hope of thinking correctly. Later in the New Testament, um, this guy, Paul, who was a very brilliant person who had to come to an awareness that he knew nothing as well. He writes about Jesus and he says a couple of things about Jesus that are really fascinating to me. He says about Jesus for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. There could not be a more wide sweeping claim than to say everything that exists, everything that you have ever experienced, everything that you are experiencing now holds together in Jesus. And then he goes on in the next chapter to say that in Christ, the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If we want to understand ourselves and understand the world, if we want to understand the mysteries, even of God, he says that all that stuff is hidden in Jesus. And what's beautiful about Jesus is that he actually invites people to know him. He wants us to know him. That is his desire for us to learn from him, to actually have our loves healed so that we can think clearly. Now spent a lot of time getting there. How does knowledge become wisdom? Um, If T.S. Eliot said where where is the wisdom we've lost in knowledge and where is the knowledge that we've lost in information, how do we work back to wisdom? How how can we be wise? One one person put it this way and this sums up everything that's being said here is that knowledge becomes wisdom when it recognizes the creator. That when we have knowledge and it recognizes the creator who made all things, it becomes wisdom. You can know a lot without knowing God, obviously. Brilliant people who don't know God accomplish feats of beauty and innovation every single freaking day. They do it according to the scripture, by the power enabling of the God who owns everything. And when their knowledge recognizes the creator and directs that glory back to him, it becomes true wisdom. And I I would love for you to leave this room tonight, whether you're in your last semester or whether this is your first year, knowing that your education that you're getting now is more than an investment in your future. Um, Most of us, that's why we are in college. We're investing in ourselves for the future so that we can have a better life. That's a beautiful and good thing. But I actually think God has something even bigger and more beautiful for you in the things that you are learning now. The things that you learn today, the things that you will learn tomorrow in class. And the first is this, and we'll be quick here. Everything that you learn in stats or whatever class that you have in the morning can help you to know God. God is the most satisfying thought. In him, all things hold together. If you want to have satisfaction of thought, thinking of God and how what you're learning about relates to God is so beautifully satisfying. Who he is, what he has made, what he has said. Because if you think about God, he is both endlessly complex and surprisingly simple. He is essential to life. But he invites you to choose him. He is one, but he is many at the same time, three in one. He is completely different than us, but he made us in his image. He dwells in unapproachable light, but is nearer to you than your own soul. He is so tremendously satisfying to ponder and to wonder about. There was a poet named uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. I want to read part of his poem. Sorry, this is a lot more quotey than usual. But um, what, what can you do now? Right? Um, he writes this. He said, I do not know that I have ever seen anything more beautiful than the bluebell I am looking at. He's looking at a flower. I know the beauty of our Lord by it. The world then is word, expression, news of God. Therefore, its end, its purpose, its purport, its meaning is God and its life or work to name and praise him. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. The creation does praise him, does reflect honor on him, is of service to him. The sun and the stars shining glorify God. They stand where he placed them. They move where he bid them. The heavens declare the glory of God. The birds sing to him. The thunder speaks of his terror. The lion is like his strength, the sea is like his greatness, the honey like his sweetness. They are something like him, they make him known, they tell of him. For Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. You can know and learn about God, about what is eternal from every single thing that you study. And the second thing that your knowledge can do to become wisdom is that you can actually use that knowledge to contribute to the flourishing of God's world. That the knowledge that you get becomes wisdom when it is turned into an act of love. Because that's what God does with his knowledge. Um, Some of you may have known someone that's had Alzheimer's. I've had, I've, been very close and watched someone suffer from Alzheimer's. Um, last I this is maybe not, you can tell me if I'm wrong about this because it's a little bit old, but uh, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in America. Scientists a couple years ago discovered that there are cells called micro, microglia. Stewart, help me out. Microglia. microglia. <laughs> Thank you, Caroline. Um, I just had to think, I thought of the first pre-med person I could think of which my understanding is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, clean away bacteria and deposits. Yeah. Yeah. But that, say it again, microglia is often inhibited by a certain protein when people get older. By stopping that protein, the effects of Alzheimer's have been reversed in test subjects. Understanding how to stop a protein from being developed, which kills microglia can help people live longer and not die the worst kind of death, which is being alive and not knowing anyone that you love. Someone like Caroline or Stuart, many of the rest of you, will help the world flourish because of what you know. So the question for you, and I don't know what you're studying. I know what some of you are studying. How does what you are learning about education contribute to the flourishing of children? especially those who are forgotten. How does what you're learning about business contribute to a more just, equitable and charitable economy that enables the flourishing of all, especially the poor? How does what you're learning about the social sciences move people from dependency to dignity? How is what you're learning about earth sciences steward the garden of creation responsibly? How is what you're learning about language help us delight in the power and beauty of words? How is what you're learning about art and design bring order and functionality and beauty to the world we interact with? How is what you're learning about journalism and communication aiding you to tell the truth in love? When knowledge recognizes its creator and moves in acts of love, it becomes wisdom. And Jesus wants to give us the key of knowledge to unlock the potential of wisdom, that we may fear to learn nothing. We might learn what is eternal. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to just take a moment to think about what you're studying. And to acknowledge it before God and ask God to be present in it. Lord, thank you um, for this time with these sisters and brothers. We thank you for this world, which is yours. We pray that you would change what we love. That we would love you to understand your goodness and your beauty. And Lord, so that we would truly learn and understand this world and our place in it. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's sing a song.